the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, it's the Rob Black Podcast. You can hear Rob live every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and talk910.com. The new generation of talk radio in the Bay Area. This is KNEW AM and HD. Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose. This is 910 AM. More stimulating talk. with views and commentary brought to you by me. Consumers are back in stores and they're buying items that last a long time. These are called white ticket items. They're called durable goods. They're super, super important because they're big ticket. Big ticket shows confidence. Fox News senior business correspondent Brenda Bootner has the latest on sales of durable goods. You're buying big-ticket goods. Overall, new orders for durable manufactured goods dropped quite a bit last month, but that was because there was a plunge in demand for commercial aircraft. Take that out, and orders rose by the most since the recession began, up 2.8%, well above what everyone expected, and the most since December 2007. Brenda Butner, Fox News Radio. Another sign the economy is moving in the right direction. This is boring economic data that I guarantee you a lot of you are going to get poop-faced tonight, drunk. You're going to be going, man, I love living in the Bay Area. It's beautiful, and we're going to get wine tasting tomorrow, and it's going to be a good weekend. And why does Rob bore us with durable goods orders? Because as long as you see those numbers going in the right direction, up tells you the economy is good, and it tells you you can take some time off. You can enjoy the world. You don't have to stress. Your job's not going to be you know, taken away from you tomorrow. I'm not guaranteeing you every industry on that. I'm just saying, in general, durable goods is a nice indicator. It's nice. It tells you that, you know, again, the economy is okay. I think it's safe to fly. I think it's safe to go in the water. I think it's safe to be an investor. Elsewhere, March was a great month for selling a house. Fox News senior business correspondent Brenda Bootner has the details again. Sales of new homes way up, gaining 27% last month, well above expectations as better weather and government incentives boosted sales. The Commerce Department says new home sales rose in March to a seasonally adjusted annual sales pace of 411,000, the strongest month since last July and the biggest monthly increase in 47 years. Brenda Butner, Fox News Radio. Again, a little bit misleading last year. And again, next year at this time, I'll be interested in seeing the stats because last year at this time, we were in a recession. No one wanted to invest. No one wanted to buy a house. We saw unemployment go from five, six percent to 10 percent. We were scared out of our our, our pants. Our our hair was spiking up and straight up in the air. So these housing data and for her to Brenda Bootner and I'm sorry, Brenda, but speak English next time. Up 27%. I think that was a little dramatic, wasn't it? Uh, and again, that's media. Media doesn't know that. Like, why doesn't she say that's a great number, but it comes off a, a crap comparison last year. Next up in healthcare reform. Remember the healthcare reform that we've got? It got passed. It's going to save all this money. 
The president promised his reforms will lower the cost of health care, but a new report from his own administration says that it's going to raise the cost of health care. Fox News Radio White House correspondent Mike Makaritz reports. The good news for the White House, the report predicts the reforms will add 34 million Americans to the insurance rolls. The bad news is that doing that will drive up the cost of health care. The Health and Human Services Department study finds that the reforms will add at least another percentage point to health care spending over 10 years. And that could go even higher if Congress doesn't follow through on Medicare cuts that are planned under the reforms. At the White House, Mike Makowitz, Fox News Radio. I'm so burned out on healthcare talk that I have nothing to say about that other than, damn it, higher healthcare costs. Healthcare, now, well, actually, here's the spin. You want to invest in healthcare. 32 million more Americans are going to be getting into healthcare. They ain't giving it away for free. They ain't going to be giving it away at a, at a loss. Healthcare is going to become a bigger part of the U.S. economy. Like, again, I say go after China and India because, well, they're taking jobs. They're creating a middle class. They're saying, let's pollute our nation and, and, and get workers working. So healthcare, if you're going to invest in the United States or North America, it's a bigger part of our economy and GDP going forward. It's a bigger part of where the few available dollars will be going goes. So just think of it like that. The financial system, it's been melting down. Tough year 1998, tough year 1999. The SEC employees, they were so busy, though, not watching companies, but watching explicit images on government time and computers. Fox News Radio's Jill Nato reports. The SEC's Inspector General says senior staffers spend hours surfing adult websites on government-issued computers. There have been at least 33 probes into this kind of conduct. One of the worst items that was uncovered? One senior attorney in the agency's D.C. headquarters is reported to have spent as much as eight hours a day looking at porn. All this said to have been going on over the past two and a half years, during one of the worst recessions this country's ever known. In Washington, Jill Nato, Fox News Radio. Now, we don't know if that attorney for the SEC has been fired or not, but eight hours of porn a day. That's just too much. I mean, I admire the guy, but that's just too much. That's a lot of porn. And that's a lot of government time using your taxpayers. You should be angry. That dude made over $200,000. In fact, 17 of the 33 employees who are at a senior level earn salaries of over $200,000 a year. Our government is so effed up. But eight hours of porn, even for me, that, 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 that's slightly offensive. Finally, not finally, I got six news stories today. Six, count them. News story number five, one of the world's most recognizable monarchs. He's bidding adieu. Goodbye to the United States. Fox News Radio's Kristen McNerney reports. More than 30 years after his last visit, King Tut is back in New York. The famed pharaoh's grand finale at the Discovery Times Square Exposition, his last stop before heading home to Egypt in January. On display alongside treasures from his tomb, artifacts from long before and after Tutankhamun's rule, you can also peruse the results of DNA analysis and CT scans of Tut and 10 other royal mummies. In New York, Kirsten McNary, Fox News Radio. The Bay had Tut for a little while, about a year ago, and it just goes to show you that, you know, you can invest in things that are thousands and thousands of years old. I'm not really saying invest in King Tut, but sometimes things tend to linger and they tend to fascinate us for a very long period of time. Companies like Procter & Gamble, they're the, my King Tut. You know, uh, Crest Toothpaste ain't going to come out and do nothing new and it ain't going to start a Broadway show. Do you see? I mean, it's a desperate desperate attempt to tie two things together 
Or I could have said this. You remember in the 1970s watching Steve Martin on Saturday Night Live, born in Arizona, moved to Babylonia. Good times. Good times. And from the I hate myself, I want to kill people file, a lottery winner in Missouri who's missing his teeth says he's going to Disney World and buying some new teeth. Fox News Radio's Jennifer Kuyper explains. Chris Shaw says last week he had less than $29 in his bank account. Now the $5 that the Central Missouri man used to buy a Powerball lottery ticket has netted him $258 million. Everybody was trying to find out if it was real. Is it true? Mm -hmm. I got lots of text messages and stuff from my friends. The 29-year-old convenience store clerk says he's still not sure whether he'll quit his job, but does know that he's going to pay off his bills and take his kids to an amusement park. Shaw also says he's going to replace the two front teeth that he lost because he didn't take care of them. Jennifer Kuyper, Fox News Radio. Why is God so mean? Why does he give $250 million in lottery winnings to a guy who couldn't even take care of his front teeth? I understand some some food gets in your molars. I get it. I get it. I understand that you can get cavities and lose some of the back teeth. But your front teeth, you can't even brush the front, the fronts and the, the backs. It's not that hard. $250 million winner. Now, here's even the best kicker about it. Not only is he going to buy some new teeth, not only is he 28 years old, 27 year old guy who works at a convenience store, but then just to make, you know, add, make things worse to just, just totally piss me off. He says he doesn't know if he's going to quit his job. He just won $250 million and he's going to go to 7-Eleven tomorrow. I just, I, I just honestly want to get on a tower and start shooting people. That's how upset I am. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Last night, I watched the Sharkies skate out to an impressive 5 nothing win. They're up on Colorado, three games to two. Coming up, I'm going to be speaking with Dan Rusnowski of the NHL San Jose Sharks. It's the Rob Black Show, 910 AM. More stimulating talk. is the relentless pursuit of financial perfection. Get in on it. Keep listening to The Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. The final four seconds of penalty time are ticking off on the clock. One more rush. Here's Getzlaff. Lead for Scott Niedermeyer. Breaks in. Penalty is over. A centering attempt just got blocked. And the Sharks have a two-on-one mini one. Here's Heatley out of the box. Export moving in. Gives him the play. Break away. Foot. Shoot. Scores. Joe Thornton. His first of the year. Great setup from Dan. The Sharks have a 3-0 lead. Let's bring on Dan Rusnowski, the voice of the Sharks. I can't say it any better than this. It's playoff time. It's a good time, Dan. You better believe it. What a game last night. Game for five, five nothing whitewash. Uh, they did what they had to do, but they've got one more little mountain to climb in this series, and that's the hardest game to win, the last one, and that's what they'll try to do on Saturday tomorrow in Denver. It's been an uh, interesting playoff series with Colorado because we went to three overtime games. I, I was overlooking them. I thought we would get out in four or five games. Now it looks like six or seven games. They're down multiple players, Dan, and they're playing us tooth and nail. They're doing it the best that they can, certainly, and you got to admire their talent, their vigor, their energy, and the fact that uh, in the playoffs, you always have to expect the unexpected. That's one of the things. It's uh, you know, it's sort of like just when you figure the market out and then something happens. Well, it's kind of the same thing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. 
did Craig um, Anderson, did the Colorado Avalanche hit a wall because he was so good in games two, three, and four? And then last night, it was just like you said, a whitewash. And are they done? Are they are they, they out of gas? Well, it's an interesting thing because I, I described last night's game, Rob, as an opportunity for the Sharks to suck the will out of the Colorado Avalanche. And I think that they've taken a step to doing just that. The real test is going to be tomorrow. But it was only a matter of time before the way the Sharks were pounding Colorado, they were going to get some reward for all the work they were putting in. So I'm not totally surprised by it. In fact, it's amazing that it's gone this long. It is amazing it's gone this long. And just to give people perspective, I think we pounded 100 shots on Anderson in two games and got two goals out of it or something. And then last night it was almost too easy. Um, a hot goalie can ruin a franchise. A hot goalie can kill, bring the Sharks down. And and it, it's that's the, the neat thing about the playoffs is it's up to the goalie and sometimes it's up to the second, third, and fourth lines of the team. Well, that's right. And that's why the Sharks changed their team this year. That's why they... Uh, went all through the year by talking about the adversity that they were going to go through that being a good thing, and now it's starting to pay off. And, you know, Patrick Marlowe got his first goal of the playoff series last night, but uh, they haven't had to depend on that top line because they've been well-prepared, and that's a tribute to those guys. Now, you say that, but at the same time, I'm a little cynical, Dan. Um, until late last night, a junk goal by Patrick Marlowe, the top line of Marlowe, Heatley, and Thornton, the Canadian Olympians, the they scored 40% of our goals this year for the Sharks. They had a big old goose egg until a junk goal last night. You're not concerned by that? Well, not really. I mean, I, I, obviously, it's a concern for a whole playoff series, but uh, the fact is that each series, one group, generally tends to jump to the fore, and this time it just so happens that it's Joe Pavelski's line for the first four-plus games until the third period when Patrick scored the first goal for that group. But they didn't even play together all that much, just on the power play last night. I was really enthused by Logan Couture playing with Danny Heatley. They looked really good together, and Logan scored a couple of goals. Danny had a couple of assists. And, you know, Joe Thornton has been playing really hard. He's been a fantastic, fantastic citizen this playoffs. And I think that that's great, too. So it's a lot of the little things away from uh, the actual credit for the goal that, that, that these guys are doing okay at and, and getting better at as the series goes on. I told my sugar booger last night, Logan Couture just played his way onto the team for next year. Um, it's an odd thing to say, but when you score a couple goals in the playoffs, you're going to stick around the NHL for a couple of years. Well, he's the number one draft pick, and he's just progressing nicely. I, I'd say he's played up as himself on a spot for this team the rest of this playoff season, not just next year. And what I like about him is he's got great hockey sense. He seems to be uh, a Joe Pavelski like in that sense that the, the puck seems to follow him around. Um, I think he's a, a little bit stronger at this time of the year than he was last year when he was a control kid. And, you know, he's got a lot of smarts around, around the puck. So I, I really like the way that he plays. Something that I like and I appreciate Dan enormously in sport is after Couture got a goal last night, you just saw a big old mouth of chiclets. You just saw all of his teeth. He was happy. He was smiling. It's so fr- refreshing to see. Yeah, the joy of the game is a big part of this thing, and that's, you see that displayed a lot in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I think it's a, a wonderful thing to see a player express that joy and to, uh, to get involved and make sure that things are going right for his teammates, but also to celebrate that way when, when it goes well for his teammates. You know, you notice... Uh, even in the pictures in the newspaper today of, of uh, Logan or Dwight Hellman, and in fact, uh, celebrating his first playoff goal, the teammates had the bigger smiles as well. So that, that really is special. And let, let me you know crop that into something. Yesterday, um, Alex Rodriguez 
ran across the pitcher's mound in an Oakland A's game, and the Oakland A's pitcher yelled at him. They, a little bit too serious. And, and in hockey, they just enjoy playing the game, and I think most of the players right now would play for free. Oh, hockey has etiquette, too. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'd say that um, the big thing is that normally, I guess, in, in, in baseball etiquette, you don't do that. If you're going to trot back to first base after a foul ball and you've rounded second, you trot along the base paths and go back. But um, uh, for whatever reason... Um, A-Rod decided to do that, and far be it for me to be the expert on baseball etiquette. But, uh, you know, hockey has some etiquette, too. You know, all the rules about, uh, you know, when you try, you know, teams try to take liberties. That's why the policeman is there to kind of clean True. things up. And, um, you know, little things like that that, that I think are, are joyful. But uh, we're trying to keep secret about the fact that the players would play for free because then uh, they would probably have to. And we're speaking with Dan Risnowski, the voice of the San Jose Sharks. He could be heard tomorrow on 98.5 FM, um, great voice, great enthusiasm. You really got to hear it to, to really get into the excitement of the game. Um, we're speaking a little bit of etiquette. Did you see the Washington Capitals star Alex Ovechkin? He was playing in Montreal, and Montreal has this tradition of bringing out little six-year-old kids to wave the Montreal flag, and the Canadian flag, not the Montreal flag, but uh, the Canadian flag, and he, he snowed the little girl. Uh, did, you, did you see that, Dan? I, I didn't see it, um, so I really don't. Don't know what to say about it other than, um, uh, you know, hey, um, must must have uh, he must have gotten off on the wrong side of the bed or something. I'm not sure. Well, it's it's actually kind of interesting because uh, he's got a little tradition when he he starts his pregame skate. He goes to the bench and he he basically you know digs his skates in and creates a lot of snow. Little girl was standing right next to him, so everyone in Montreal wants Alex Ovechkin dead uh, because he snowed a little <laughs> girl and he was just doing his typical ritual. Uh, you know, uh, well, and, and the Barkov has a similar ritual around the national anthem too. He doesn't uh, stand straight up; he kind of bends over. And um, you know, some people thought it was disrespectful. It isn't, um, but uh, but these are the things that we all pay attention to this time of year. Greater magnifying glass. What other hockey rituals have you seen that are interesting and intriguing for our listeners? Um, well, the, the easiest thing to do is is to talk about the routines that these players have. So routinized, you wouldn't believe it. Um, you know, for instance, uh, eating at the same restaurant or having the same pregame meal at the same time all the time. Um, there are players who like to put their left skate and left pads on first, and then the right skate and the right pads on on second. Um, feast or famine, you figure it out. Uh, I've heard stories from everything to having rabbit's feet inside the uh, the locker stall with uh, with all the sticks to um, you know the insanity of uh, Eddie Belfour who. Uh, when he uh, had his, his trainers uh, basically sharpen his skates, he never trusted them, so he finally started doing it himself, and he would spend an hour and a half just sharpening his skates. By the time he was done, there's probably not much steel left. There was a goaltender who I used to hate named Billy Smith for the Islanders. and Ron. Hext- I hated him, too. And Ron Hextall for the Flyers, and they would talk to the, the goalpost. They would, you know, you know clank on the goalpost. Uh, very ritualized sport, like you said. That's right. And, you know, a lot of it is, is due to the fact that everybody wants to get into a habit, a habit of success. And uh, so when you have success, there's a tendency to want to repeat it and want to repeat the habit. And they believe that uh, that, that sort of behavior is what helps produce the, the success that they want. Um, you know, we've seen that happen in a lot of other areas of life, but uh, hockey seems to be one of them where it's pretty pronounced. And let's go back to this current playoff um, situation with Colorado. Colorado's not mustering a lot of shots. Is that bad for Nabokov because it's maybe 30 shots in a row on, on Anderson and then maybe two on uh, Nabokov? Can he become soft? Can he become cold? 
Well, I think cold is probably a better word. He's not soft. I, I think that uh, that is the test of all good teams, goaltenders. Because, uh, you know, you go back to the 1970s, I think it's probably the best example. There was a goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens named Ken Dryden, who's one of the all-time greats. He only played eight years in his NHL career, and he has six Stanley Cup rings. <laughs> um, you know, he played on one of the greatest teams ever in the uh, 1970s edition of the Canadians. And oftentimes the Canadians would get, you know, 35, 40, sometimes 50 shots on net, and he would take 10, 12, 14. It's a different focus and it's a different discipline for a goaltender to have to be into the game in order to make saves like that. Because generally, especially with NHL players, when you give up that few number of shots in a game or a much bigger uh, margin going on your side, the tendency is that the shots that you face as a goalie are much more high quality. So let's say the Sharks get 51 shots on Craig Anderson and they maybe get 35 of them quality. What, which would be a really high number for a game. I mean, usually there's, there's 10 to 12 quality, quality chances a game, and others that are a little bit less quality but sometimes go in. If, if you're getting the 10 shots, generally those shots that are getting through on the other side for a good team are quality chances. So your goalie really has to be alert. And I think uh, Nabokov really said it that way. He, he wants to uh, make sure that, that he is a, uh, uh, shall we say, prepared for, uh, for anything, and that, that's really important. In the end of the Colorado game, game three, I think it was, um, Dan Boyle, our great defenseman, who I think should be our captain next year, if not Ryan Klo, um, accidentally shot the puck into his own net. How defeating or how deflating was that for you to see kind of an own goal scenario um, in the playoff game in overtime? Oh, it was absolutely unbelievable to see it happen. Um, deflating for me, you know, maybe uh, maybe surprising, maybe shocking. Certainly it was disappointing. But the one thing about this team is that it was not devastating. And it was not devastating because of their belief in themselves, because of everything they've been through, and because of their experiences. And Dan Boyle's a Stanley Cup champion. It, isn't it interesting that his very next game, he goes out and scores the first goal of the game on a power play uh, that was really important uh, for his psyche, but also for the teams. And it got the team off to a great start, and they won that game in overtime 2-1. So um, I'm not you know, worried about that as far as the team goes. But, boy, what a, what a moment. Uh, what a moment that it really gets to you because uh, all the work the Sharks had put in in that game, and they didn't get a reward for it. And that's exceedingly frustrating for the guys and certainly fascinating for me to be part of. I love the electricity of playoff hockey. The, the every auditorium is rocking. It's got the, a positive electricity. It's it's fun to see. Are, are you growing a playoff beard, Mister Rusnowski? I do not grow playoff beards. I don't believe in them. Um, I think that if anybody would like to grow one and be part of the beardathon, that's great. It's a wonderful charity, but I'm not doing it. Any? Uh, how about your uh, radio partner? Uh, he doesn't grow a beard either. We're uh, we're radio people, so uh, obviously we you just have to imagine that we have one. It's interesting. Brody Brazil on TV, he grows one, but the radio people don't grow one. So thanks very much, Dan. Hey, oh. thanks to be, be good to be with you, Rob. Thanks. We'll, we'll listen in tomorrow night. You're doing the call from Colorado. Hopefully, we wrap up the series tomorrow night, so you get a couple days off, and we'll talk to you next week about round two. It's Dan Rusnowski, the voice of the San Jose Sharks. Only heard on 98.5 FM. Actually, they're heard on more than that, but that's the home station, 98.5 FM. Dan Rusnowski and the Sharks.
like finding a 20 in your inside coat pocket. All right, well, actually, it's more like finding a 10 in your inside coat pocket, but it still feels pretty good. It's the Rob Black Show on 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. We just did a PSA for feeding hungry people. And it was voiced by a guy named Tahani Jones. And he's supposed to be a celebrity or something because he goes, hi, I'm Tahani Jones. Who's Tahani Jones? Does anyone know? Give me a call if you do, because I, I feel like he should be on a milk bottle because I, I, I think he's a missing kid or something because I don't know who he is. Uh, Tahani Jones, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. I want to do a quick movie review on a movie that I haven't seen yet. I'm going to give it four poops. It goes to, we've seen Katherine Heigl do it. We've seen Ellen Page do it. Now, Jennifer Lopez turns out to play an unmarried pregnant woman in a movie that tries to milk laughs from her big belly. Her food cravings and her mood swings. It's called The Backup Plan. It's, re, it's, it's debuting this weekend. It's a 30-something-year-old New York pet store owner who's lacking a man in her life. Her biological clock is ticking. She decides to have a test tube baby. On the, her way to the doctor's office, she meets a great guy, falls in love. <laughs> she meets a cheesemaker. This one stinks. We're going to watch her. I give it four poops out of four poops. And we're talking big old stinky, steamy poops. Um, we're going to see her pig out and have food cravings. Oh, it's so funny seeing Jennifer Lopez eat like a pig. We're going to see the tight dress that, you know, pops when she bends over. We're going to see her see a home birthing that basically sucks. Um, you know, it's going to be a scream like from The Exorcist, and it's just going to suck. So if you go see this movie, The Backup Plan, this weekend, you suck. You're an idiot. You deserve to lose all your money and die worthless and penniless. There's your Rob Black Friday movie review. Let's go to Dublin. Brian, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. You going to go see The Backup Plan this weekend? You know, I think I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> My wife may have a different opinion, but I'm, I'm skipping it. So who's Tahani Jones? Tahani Jones, you should know. He's a football player. He's a linebacker for the Bengals, but he's from your home state. He's from Virginia. Well, my home state is actually, I'm from Okinawa, Japan. I'm Japanese. He's not from there. He is not from there. But uh, he played for UVA or did he play for Virginia Tech? He played for UVA. Okay. And how do you know this? I'm a big football fan. Plus, he has a show on the Travel Channel. Okay. It's called Travel Bugs. And he travels to crazy, crazy countries and plays crazy sports that are... Um, that are big in those little small countries. That's good stuff. That's good knowledge. Did you watch the draft last night? I did. How do you think uh, the Giants did? Or, I'm sorry, the Niners did? They did great. So you feel great. good about... New GM. You feel good about the team and going forward? I do. I do. I, I think, think they're going to be... They, you know, they're only missing a few, few pieces in O-line with where they needed to be, and they, they took care of it. How about the Raiders? Did the Raiders make a perennial mistake yet again? Who are the Raiders? <laughs> well said, well said. How about my team? My team's the Green Bay Packers. Uh, how did they pull off in the draft? You know what? I didn't pay too much attention, but they're always they're they're run so well. They'll, they're always a contender. They got an offensive tackle that slipped. They got the fourth tackle taken, and they, they say Wait, that was. Do you know his name? He was the guy from Iowa. So I don't know. Supposedly he was going to go much higher, and he he slipped for some reason or the other. But anyway, thanks for the call, Brian. No problem. So we now know who Dehani Jones is. Interesting, right? So, um, 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Yesterday, I did a topic that clearly pushed some buttons with you. 
I started the show off talking about government pensions and how Schwarzenegger and Villaraigosa out of L.A. are basically saying our, our state pensions are out of control. Basically, they're eating up too much of our budget in, in L.A. before $1 spent on any services, $17, seven, no, I'm sorry, 17% of the budget is allocated for retirees, not active workers, retirees. And you can see that the system wasn't meant to get that crazy and that, that, that wacky. So we're going to see pension reform. We are going to see it. We're going to see the average retiring age on pensions go higher. We're going to see the cost in health care being more passed on to the, the pensionee or the pensioner. We're going to see it. Now, I got an email from Tim. He goes, thanks for bringing up the government pension problems yesterday. They count on 7.5% or better return on their investments, and that's pretty tough to pull off. Why don't they invest in their depositors? Most civil service employees buy cars and houses, and they take out loans for other reasons. Why not loan them their own retirement funds? Seems a lot better than gambling the money in the stock market. Now, first and foremost, I don't think the stock market is a gamble. I think it's a controlled risk that works over time. But your idea of having the pensions, having the state get in the business of loaning money, I don't like it. So... I, I think the 7.5% returns are too high to, to count on. I think that'll work over time, but uh, you have to have a good plan for the bad years, and you always have to fund the pension with new money coming in. You can't ever say, we didn't have enough money this year, or we overspent in other areas, so we're not going to fund it this year. We'll make it up later. So I think that's the biggest problem on it. And also, we, we honestly give pensions to too many people. Pensions were incredible in the 1930s and 1940s and 1950s. They were incredibly needed. When we were a nation that was just starting to prosper and have an industrial revolution in the 1900s. I don't think pensions and unions are as important today as they were then. With that said, I think police and firefighter and teacher unions are important. Let's go to Larry in Oakland. Larry? Hi, Rob. wanted to ask about Monsanto. I own it, unfortunately. Why is it unfortunate? Well, it's been going down for some time. Okay. I think it's a good long-term name. So it sounds like you probably bought it in 2006 or 2007. Is that my guess? Uh, no, it was more like uh, three or four months ago. Really? So you, okay, so it's a very short-term investment for you so far. Um, I just pulled up a five-year chart on the company, and it's ultimately gone from $25 up to 65 in the last five years. So um, let's pull up six months because that's where you're at. Okay, so back in January, it started out the year 2010, right around 85, and now it's around 65. What's your plan for it? What's your goal? What are you going to do if it keeps going lower? Well, i probably sell it uh, unless you tell me not to. I think longer term, it's a good name. In large part, what they do is, is important. They make seeds and bioengineered crops, right. and uh, they help farmers grow more crops. They do a lot of biotechnology and genomics to seeds and herbicides. Uh, things to resist bugs. They also um, do asgro and decalb and deptamine and salmina seeds. So they're a massive seed player in the world. Massive. Like the world would starve without them. Um, I think they're going to be around. Taking a look at the valuation, 27 times this year's earnings feels a little bit expensive. Let's take a look at next year's. 17 times next year is a little bit better. I'd probably buy a little bit more and try to get out a little bit earlier, Larry. I don't think this one's going to heck in a handbasket. It's not going to fall totally apart. It's just coming down in valuation based on, you know, some problems that we're seeing in Europe. 
people are willing to spend a little bit less money on investments right now and take a little bit less risk on global growth because we're seeing Greece hurt the whole European Union. And we don't know how much that's going to slow down the European Union and the value of the euro. I've got no problem with Monsanto. I think it's a good name. and I think you could accumulate it for the next 30 years. Now, you bought it as a short-term investment. I, do, I don't see a big catalyst for it. I don't see a lot of downside on it. Let me pull up one last quick thing on it. See if I've got any price targets from analysts. Thanks for the call. Um, they're doing an 800 million share repurchase program. They're, they're accelerating it. That's a good sign. Uh, they're at their two-year low right now, which basically is probably a good value sign. Uh, so far, anyone who's bought it in the last two years hasn't really made money, so you don't have to worry about a lot of sellers uh, selling for profits. Um, I don't really have anything else on it. It got downgraded to hold at UBS about a month ago. On that downgrade, they traded about 6% lower. They reduced their 2010 earnings expectations on April 13th. So I would say uh, reduced sales of Roundup have hurt the overall revenue and gross margins. I'd say it's fine long term. Maybe you want it to swap it out, take a taxable loss on it, and trade it into like Syngenta or Terra Nitrogen or, or other plays like Agrium or CF Industries or Intrepid Potash or Mosaic. I'm not sure. Um, but the agricultural story for the feeding the world, it's, it's still very, very real. 800-345-5639. Coming up. Let's get out of California. Move east, young man. I'm going to tell you where to move. Where are the jobs? Where's the real estate value going to be created? I got that coming up next on the Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. like blowing 10 grand in Vegas on the first day and then making it all back and more on the second. The Rob Black Show on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Okay, I'm doing a shout out. I need something from you. I don't do this very often. But if you go to YouTube and look at the Vancouver Canucks, they're a hockey team. They've got these guys who are dressing up in lime green full body suits that cover the head, that cover the feet. So they're basically watching a playoff game through like light green, lime green gauze or something. It fits their body incredibly tight so you can see all their junk and everything. And they're sitting next to the penalty box and they're doing like handstands and trying to distract and kind of be rude to the guy who's in the penalty box. It's kind of funny to watch, but if you go to YouTube and, and punch in Vancouver Canucks green guys, I'm sure it'll come up. I want a bodysuit like that. I will do the show in a lime green unitard full bodysuit if someone could tell me where to get one. I think that would be funny. I think that may get me into media. I think the San Francisco Chronicle would be like, this guy is so wacky. You have to pay attention to him. I need some free media press. So I'm willing to wear a unitard. Question is, is Heidi willing to wear a full body unitard? The show would be sexless because we, you, know, you wouldn't be able to see a man or a woman. You just see bodies. And it would be uh, because it's sexless and it's telling you the investment advice is, you know, perfect. It's 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 not. Anyway, if anyone knows, let me know. OK, let's talk about places to live. This is a crazy concept. But there was a point in time where we said as a country, go west, young man. There was a lot of land there. There was a lot of jobs there. There was a lot of there was a lot of promise in the west. Now, the Great Recession, it ravaged almost every big city across the United States in 2009. Prices have been down in 182 out of 200 metro areas, with households incomes falling in 94% of these areas. The employment picture is even tougher. 
Only four areas posted a positive job growth with a paltry gain of 4,300 positions created in America. The other 196 metro areas during the Great Recession lost over 3.5 million jobs. What do you do? I got a call yesterday from someone who's been unemployed for 10 months. 10 months of unemployed. That's brutal. That's harsh. Both coasts, the east and the west, have outrageous costs. A friend of mine sent me an email said, my sister is dropping out of law school. She's going to New York City. What advice do you have for her? Well, it's expensive. It ain't cheap. Now, the top cities right now in America that have job growth are all in flyover states, typically. Areas that have reasonable business costs, strong economic outlooks, and a solid quality of life. I've got a good job, but if I were to lose my job or jobs, I would leave the state of California. In large part, it's nice, it's lovely, but it's damn expensive. Number one city in America right now is Des Moines, Iowa. They grabbed the top spot. Iowa's capital has 562,000 people in the metro area. It features business costs that are 15% below the national average, living costs that are 10% below the national average. It's got an educated labor supply. 33% of adults there have college degrees. That's pretty good. 92% possess high school degrees. Des Moines' favorable regulatory environment and well-documented and well-educated workforce, it gives a lot of high-value add. Financial industry has set up shop in Des Moines. They've got Wells Fargo. They've got Principal Financial there. They've got a lot of insurance companies, national, nationwide insurance. Marshall McLennan. They've got jobs. Now, those people who have jobs, they own homes, and they need plumbers, and they need electricians, and they need massage people. So it's doing great. Employment in Des Moines, Iowa, is expected to grow at a 2.7% clip in the next three years. Household incomes are expected to rise 2.9%. Des Moines cute. I've been to Des Moines. It's cute. Would I want to live there? Probably not. But if I were 20-something or 30-something with a family and I lost my job in California, I will do anything for my family. I would murder you for my family. I would move to Des Moines for my family. They've designed a system over 300 miles of trails for running, walking, biking. they got a 4.4-acre public park. they got a sculpture garden. They've revamped the downtown Ventured capitalists are, are th- donating money for sculptures there. They've got great health care. Wellmark, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Nationwide, ING. I mean, they've got great jobs there. So a lot of the figures on figuring out where you're going to live comes from Moody's and Economy.com. Last year's winner was Raleigh, North Carolina. It dropped a third this year. I own property in Raleigh, North Carolina. Why? Because people are going there for jobs. And people are going there for lower cost of living. And then there's people like me where Raleigh's got this research triangle. They've got NC State, UNC, they've got Duke that all have great hospitals. And great hospitals attract patients, but they also attract tons of freaking jobs that don't leave. They attract doctors who get paid a lot of money. So I think the long-term outlook in Raleigh is still very, very strong. But last year, they, they had a little bit of a recession. They hit a little bit of a recession. There was an article in the New York Times this week about Durham, North Carolina, and how they've got all these great gourmet restaurants. Do you remember the gourmet restaurants of San Francisco? Do you remember 2000 when we were hitting our heyday in the dot-com? When it was, it, was, it was nirvana. It was utopia. Everyone was making six figures. Free sex. No, there wasn't free sex. But great food. 
everything was good. So North Carolina, they've brought the, they've they've done what they're supposed to. Now we in the state of California on this list of great places to live, as far as jobs go, and as far as cost to live, and as far as business costs go, California's got three of the worst cities, including Modesto, Vallejo, and Merced. If you own real estate in Modesto, Vallejo, and Merced, I'd sell it. Basically, this story that I'm telling you right now is there's no reason to move there. None whatsoever. Now, the number 38 city, as far as a good place to move, a good place to live, a good place for wages, San Francisco. 48th on the list is San Jose. Now, San Fran and San Jose are the two most expensive cities in the country in terms of living costs. So you better have a damn good job. Business costs for both are also in the top five. So it's not good to start a business there. The Bay, Well, it's, it could be good, but it's expensive. The Bay Area and Silicon Valley are also able to overcome those onerous costs thanks to a strong university presence. We love Palo Alto. We love Berkeley because we got Stanford and UC Berkeley. The economies of both areas, San Jose and San Francisco, are expected to be amongst the 10 top vibrant over the next three years. So that list is a good list. And if I were, again, if I were 20-something, 30-something, and I was unemployed, I'd get the hell out of this state. I would not think twice about it. I'm gone. I'm outie. I'm outie 2000. I know you're saying, Rob, you're so hip. So number seven on the list is Omaha, Nebraska. Population about 850,000. They've got, you know, good universities there. Number seven on the list, and again, well, seven on the list is Omaha, Nebraska. Six on the list is Denver, Colorado. I'd move to Denver. They've done a great job of bringing in young people. If I were a single woman, and I'm not a single woman, but if I were a single woman, I'd move to Denver because Denver's been known, has been called as Minver. I know. I can't make this stuff up. Let's go to Cherie in Pinoli. Oh, God. Cherie? Are you having a little luxury time with yourself, Cherie? Hmm. All she said was, oh, God. That's why I could never date an atheist. So I wouldn't want to hear, oh, Darwin, oh, Darwin, oh, Darwin. Got to have... I know you're saying, Rob, that joke, I'll laugh later. Number five on the list. Number five on the list, Lincoln, Nebraska. hi You are correct, sir. Lincoln, Nebraska. Again, not exactly the place that I'm thinking of. Like Denver out of the list so far, yeah, I could do. Surprisingly on the list, number four, Fort Collins, Colorado. Now, every one of these cities that I'm telling you about, you could buy real estate there. You buy in a cute neighborhood on a cute street. I think you're going to make money over the next five years. And I think the cost of a home there is a lot cheaper than you'd imagine. So Fort Collins, Colorado, number four on the list. Number three on the list of the best places for businesses and careers, Raleigh, North Carolina. My, my southern my southern state is represented, North Carolina. You know why I like North Carolina and South Carolina? Because the girls there aren't 18, they're 18. And Jimmy Buffet is like a national hero there. I know you're saying, who's Jimmy Buffet? Oh, yeah, it's Jimmy Buffett. He's the guy who sings Margaritaville and stuff like that. They just like casual lifestyles. I think the South lost the Civil War because they spoke too slowly. They go, hello, good day, sir. Had they been able to speak a little bit faster, they probably would have said, the Yankees are coming, the Yankees are coming, quick, get your rifles. 
but they didn't speak quick enough because they're so slow. It's such a slow lifestyle there. Number two best place to live for business and careers in America right now. This one is a shocker. Provo, Utah. Who would have thought cost of doing business is 20th in the nation out of 200? That's cheap. Economic growth, 21st out of 200. Educational attainment, 38 out of 200. Income growth, number one. A lot of people are migrating there. If I worked in Stockton, and Stockton to me is just a poop town. It's got nothing. If I worked in Stockton, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm dragging my family, I'm going to Utah. I know you're saying, Rob, you got 40 years to pull off something, dude. You can't be unemployed for 10 months. Number one city in America. Best place to live for business. Best place to live for business and career. It's anticlimactic, as I already said. It's, it's Des Moines, Iowa. In uh, uh. Des Moines, here's something kind of weird. I know you're going to say, say something controversial. Everyone's white. Everyone's white in Des Moines, Iowa. If you've got a little bit of color on your skin, you might be Italian. You got a little bit more color and you're probably not welcome in town or you're like the outsider. It's a little bit, it's a little intimidating. So a lot of white people in Des Moines, Iowa, a lot of land in Des Moines, Iowa. You look left, you look right. So good job growth though. That's what this is all about. Ladies and gentlemen. It's Rob Black Show. Watch some Sharkies hockey tomorrow night. You won't regret it. I'll talk to you Monday morning. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Till the end of time. So you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.